everyone. Welcome to Bruin Source. This is Ed. And this is Kevin. And we are here in week three, approaching our third game of the season. Um, so far, so good. We are 2-0, the flawless record, looking like um, we might actually have something here on the field to some degree. Um, hard to tell right now with the level of opponent we're playing, but we've taken care of business, so that's a, that's a good thing. Yeah, as much as business of business as you can take care of at this point, uh, you know we we played two overmatched opponents and we have made them look overmatched to some degree. I'll say, and uh, that's that's all you could really take away from these first two games. Yeah, I I totally agree. Um, this past game um, actually gave us a good a good look into kind of some of our depth and some of our backups and maybe potentially uh, the future, right? We got to see a good amount of Chase Garbers in there. We got to see a good amount of Keegan Jones and um, Chris, some Christian Grubb at running back. Um, it was a good opportunity to see some of those guys step up and contribute. And I feel better about the depth a little bit, um, at least on the offensive side, like we, we were able to actually run a very, very efficient offense without uh, Zach Charbonnet, without DTR. Um, I, 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 it, was, it was good to see that. Um, so at the bare minimum, at least we can take that away from this game. Um, and I, I don't think that's a, a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. It's good that we saw some backup running back action because we talked about this before the season, but that is a place that we had unproven, and we have historically under Chip Kelly had two pretty good backs uh, that could rotate in and out amongst each other and backs that complement each other. Uh, so it's good that we got to see that. It's good that you know we Ethan Garber's got some action, and a lot of players played in this game. Um, pretty much the entire roster got to play in this game, so that was, I think, a huge positive when you play a game that's 45 to 7 and was pretty much over by halftime it's you know you don't want to be too negative about things but i do think there is there were some still causes for concern and and some things that just they stop you from going okay well let's just completely forget about this game and go to the next one a uh, couple that stand out to me are you know first our defense which was pretty good the first game and we got to the quarterback pretty good uh, that first game this one, especially early on, the, the secondary struggled some. Um, you know, Alabama State put together some drives in that first half, uh, and they didn't always score on those drives. Right? They turned it over on downs once. Um, they moved the ball a bit and then got into UCLA territory and stalled and had to punt. Uh, so I think that is something to look at, and specifically our secondary was tested a bit in that first few drives, and didn't always hold up to the challenge. So that's a pattern now of two games where, you know, we start a little slowly and then got better after that. The other thing, our offensive line, again, you know, we ran the ball pretty well. Um, and, you know, all in all, it, it, it went fine. The one thing that kind of really stood out to me, again, it's a nitpick. In, in a game like this, you can only nitpick. But, you know, we that I, I think it was like the, the, the sixth or seventh drive. It was somewhere uh, inside the second quarter. We had a goal-to-go situation there with you know, first and goal at the three, and when you're playing an FCS opponent that's 
probably about 50 pounds lighter than you at every single spot on the front and probably the other areas as well. You'd like to just be able to take your offensive line and shove the ball in the end zone. And we got stuffed at the one yard line. Um, you know, three, three straight. That was embarrassing. Right. So three straight tries. And you would like to just say like, look, you're an FCS team. You're an FBS team. Uh, we're just going to, we're going to score now. And we weren't able to do it. And we ended up settling for a field goal at the one yard line. So even that right there, I mean, kicking field goals to the one yard line against the F- an FBS team, like that, that didn't sit so well with me either. So I think those are some things that just make you go, well, hey, we still got to work some things out. And I'll say this about this coming weekend. Um, I don't think it's going to be as easy as the first two games. And and look, yes, South Alabama is not a top division team. They're not a power five team. And if we're anywhere what we think we should be, then we should be able to blast them out of the game. Uh, But South Alabama coming in this week, they have started 2-0. The first game, they they blasted Nichols State uh, out of the stadium. And last week, they beat an FBS team. They beat Central Michigan. And and before you say, oh, well, Central Michigan, Central Michigan held it tough up at at Stillwater at Oklahoma State week one and lost a 44-58 game. So, you know, this week I don't think is as easy as it was is going to be the past two weeks. And Vegas has taken notice here. Uh, we are at the moment, I think last I saw 15 and a half point favorites. So it's not like we're 40 point favorites here against some lower division team. We are 15 and a half point favorites uh, in this game. So uh, if we come out here and struggle, I think it's it's time to, to sound some, some panic alarms, unfortunately. You know what I never want to see ever again? The like 10 yard so- uh, cushion soft coverage. I never want to see that played at UCLA ever again. And sadly, I think we're going to see it a lot. I I don't care if we're going to get burned every time. I'd rather get burned like that than like giving up 20, 15, 20 yards underneath every single time. It's the most infuriating, most frustrating thing I have you like anybody can watch with the defense because it just consistently has been the theme for our defenses for like seemingly a decade now but i think it really did start under you know end of mora early um or since chip really and it's just so frustrating to see Uh, and it continues under bill mcgovern i i think that was one thing that i've been looking for is like how do we how do we play play coverages how are we actually going to set up and we're still giving so much cushion. And if, like, we cannot body up an FCS receiver, then what the hell are we doing here? Like, I just I, – it's it's absurd. And, and no knock um, against um, uh, Alabama State here. Like, they uh, actually have some good talent at receiver. They had some transfers, um, you know, from FBS teams. But – that being said, like we still should be able to body them up, play them on the line, and and be successful there. And and we just gave them five, ten yards every single time, and their QB was good enough to take advantage of it. And so it was just very, very frustrating to watch. Now that being said, I think there is something to be said about the staff in general, kind of holding back on. Uh, the playbook a little bit, whether it's defensively or offensively, I do think that they're 
being a little bit more conservative, not showing all their cards right now, and I think that's fair. Um, I think that is valid, especially when we're you know we're we're beating teams at a, a high clip right now, uh, without having to to you know play full full speed ahead. So we'll see um, going into this week. But you're right, this is not going to be as big of a cakewalk as some of these other teams have been. Um, think Southern Alabama is probably the best team that we're we're going to play this um, uh, non-conference. And we're going to play much better uh, ones. We're going to play much better ones than this, but this is probably the best one we're going to see so far. And you talk about the secondary and giving up the soft cushions, soft coverages. That bothers me on a couple levels. Uh, You know, one, Chip said before the season, right, that this is the first secondary where we can really get in people's faces. We have the length, the athleticism to do it. I would say right. I would say through two games that's not been the case. And and the first game against Bowling Green, we kind of got away with it. There were a couple of wide open guys blowing coverages down the field that they just could not hit. Um, and especially in that first quarter, uh, there's a couple of plays that come to mind where like the tight end was just roaming all the way down the down the sideline and they missed him. Um, so that that happened. And then the second thing is you know based on that, if we're going to keep playing the soft coverage, uh, South Alabama they got a quarterback named Carter Bradley. Uh, he can sling it around a little bit. He's 6'3", 215 or so. Uh, last week against Central Michigan, he threw for 340 yards almost, three touchdowns. So, you know, th- this this would be a game where you'd like to see UCLA just, again, still keep it vanilla but have enough personnel to just shut it down and say, look, you're not going to just sling it around for easy 8, 10, 15-yard completions. Um you know, you'd like to see that happen. I guess we'll see how it goes this weekend. Uh, you know, Chip himself hasn't given too much. He's always playing the card of we have to respect the opponent and plays who's in front of you and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, we'll see this weekend. I, I actually have a, I mean, might be a stupid thing to say, but this coming weekend's game may be, even be as tough uh, as the following week's game because Colorado looks completely useless right now. Uh, they they look like a Carl Dur- Durrell team. Uh, they just lost to Air Force forty-one to ten last week, uh, and they're playing they're playing at Minnesota this week, and I'm, I bet that's not going to go very well either. So, uh, you know, th- this week is tune up for conference uh, play, and you know we'll, we got to clean some things up because I, I would say we've been fine, but still don't look as sharp as maybe we should be. No, not at all. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what we do here against a better team. Like, do we actually open up the playbook a little bit? Do we um, look to be a little bit more aggressive on defense? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I feel like Chip Kelly is one to be pretty stubborn and keep it as vanilla as possibly as as he possibly can until we need to open it up. But you know, we'll we'll see. Um, one thing that I thought was curious about this game was the lack of Charbonnet or DTR. Um, the news was that Charbonnet, you know, got a slight knock or something during uh, warmups, but he was ready to go. Um, DTR obviously played for a little bit and looked looked sharp, but you know, got taken out pretty early on. What everyone thought was an injury, but seemingly was nothing. Um, I was curious to see, get your thoughts on that. I, I think D, getting DTR out after him, you know, throwing for 100 plus yards and a TD or whatever his stat line ended up being, um, 
it was somewhere in that ballpark was was fine um i was okay with that what bothered me a little bit and i guess they're being very conservative with injuries but you know if charbonnet was actually good to go um and as much of a dark horse as he might be like there is a legitimate case for him to be in the heisman conversation potentially later down the season I do feel like it was a disservice to him a little bit to not play him for a couple of drives at least if he was good to go. Yeah, I think my overall take on that is, I mean, yes, Zach Sharp, I think the coaching staff might know what we all know, but they're not going to say it. Uh, Behind Zach Charbonnet, it's it's not not great right now. And, And I think... It was great that everyone got to play, but I think we kind of saw that in this game. Keegan Jones, 10 carries for 33 yards um, against an FCS team, just not, just not good enough. And you, you wonder if the staff kind of knows uh, we're going to need Zach uh, to, to really carry a load through this conference season and why risk him in this game where we can get the entire roster in. You would think that's the, that's the thinking behind this. With DTR, I think... If he did get a knock and they took him out, that's all fine. I, I would say just the other takeaway for me for from these first two games, again, going back to it, we've started both games slowly as if, you know, we've come out to just take a stroll against two lesser opponents and then have gotten a little better gradually throughout the game. Now, is that because the team is treating these as scrimmages or is that because, you know, we actually have a fairly undisciplined team? I don't know. History would suggest that it's the latter, because uh, as much as you know, when we take when you take the recruiting approach of oh, we're going to get really disciplined guys who really want to be here, that usually comes with oh, well, we're going to play really disciplined, not get penalized, not make silly mistakes, and that's not really been UCLA these last three years, and that's kind of we've started both the games like that, um, so that's where when when we bench DTR, that makes me a little nervous because. Offensively, overall, I think we have places that to sharpen up, and these are the games to do it before you get into conference season, and you could be making use of these opportunities. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I did see some positives, though, in the backfield. Um, you know, TJ Harden uh, looked pretty good. Um, you know, he's a young guy up and coming. I mean, he, he ran pretty powerfully. You know, he had, what, over 50 yards, I think, on like seven carries. Um, Christian Grubb also was surprisingly showed off some some um, uh, running chops there. He also, I think, went for over 50 yards with uh, only seven carries. I think both of those guys scored touchdowns. And Grubb's been around for a while, but I think Harden was a good um, was good to see him out there. He's somebody who could potentially you know step up in the future. And then uh, Dacian Morrell, uh, it was good to see him as a, he did as a well. freshman coming in yeah. there. Yeah, he did I well. Mean, he... So, so I, I, did, I did like some of what I saw. Um, and I wonder know, if the coaching staff agree. needed to see that, right? Because maybe they knew this. They, they knew that, you know, is Keegan Jones really our number two, or do we got to give some guys some competition and give them some live reps to really see what's going on? And I think that's maybe what the outcome of this was, right? Like TJ Harden, younger guy, Dacian Morrell, um, are these people that we have to rotate in more rather than just keep a solid number two? Uh, I think 
if I had to guess that that was the thinking behind behind you know we got to leave Zach out for caution and we got to just see how these guys look in live action. Yeah, and I think that's that's legitimate. Um, and I think, you know, I I don't know if we're gonna have that number two guy behind Zach this season. Like the we're not gonna have that one two punch anymore. But I do think that we will have a number two rotation of some sort like we'll have a, a committee approach behind Zach when we need to spell him I think it'll be situational um, and that's fine I think we have enough talent and enough young guys there that can, that can step up and and uh, spell Charbonnet when needed so I'm not as worried about that and also like we know Charbonnet's gone we know Jones probably isn't going to be the guy in the future so Getting Harden, getting Morel in there um, will be good to good to see him um, see both those guys get some reps in there. Um, I mean, we do have as of right now at least uh, what's his name coming in, Roderick Robert Robinson, who uh, is looking like an absolute monster. Um, so if anything, you know, having a kind of a little bit of a void behind. Um, Charbonnet might not be a bad thing to try to hold on to that kid because I don't know if he's been following him at all, but he has been lighting it up. He's been absurdly good. Um, and now SEC teams are taking notice, so we'll, we'll see what happens. That's a different story. Um, I do want to talk about Ethan Garbers. Um, I think earlier I said Chase Garbers, so apologies for that. Um, I, I really liked what I saw out of, out of Ethan. Um, I, I felt pretty comfortable knowing that he is the backup that you know he could be a potential starter in the next year um, and if anything god forbid happens to DTR this season and he needs to miss any amount of time like we have a very very competent to good quarterback in the wings uh, so that was that was good to see yeah I've always been a fan of Ethan Garbers uh, doesn't flash you know crazy ability at first sight but he's always been good at you know taking what the defense gives him finding the open guy keeping the offense moving I've never felt that the offense is just going to be stagnant when Ethan Garbers is out there I've also never felt like just incredibly nervous that he's going to turn the ball over uh, and I think that's exactly what you want in a in a backup but I think he's better than that I think he so he's shown I think that he can be a starter in the Pac-12 um, and he can he can lead a team, so that's definitely a good thing to see. You know, now as we start, you know, we, we we've had two games. There's not a whole lot to learn from about UCLA in these two games. They've they've been lopsided games, and you know we've been able to win them pretty nicely. We've seen a bit of the rest of the conference now. So with that in mind, I'll ask you, Zed. Do you have any modifications to what you thought before the season, just based on how these first two weeks have played out? Um, I don't know. I, I do think... So, I, I mean, Utah Utah lost their first game, if I remember correctly, but you know, it was a tough, tough one on the road. Game they pretty much had won until a late interception kind of cost them there. I think Utah will be you know, be as good as Utah has been the last couple of years. I'm not worried about that. What's been surprising, not surprising, but 
I was probably a little bit in denial, but um, Southern Cal's offense looks insanely good. Their defense, though, looks pretty bad. Um, so that's been a little surprising, not surprising, but I think, you know, interesting to see them actually like, of course, they're getting a lot of national uh, plaudits and, you know, people kind of applauding how good they look. But if you really watch them closely, one, they haven't played anyone good. And I'm not including Stanford as a good win because Stanford is not good. Um, and two, again, like their off their offense looks insanely good and why wouldn't they right um, but their defense does not look very good and and to be fair Stanford had some opportunities to keep that game close um, they blew two drives basically in the red zone uh, with with uh, turnovers bad turnovers there um, and missed opportunities so so it wasn't like you know, if you look at that stat line, it looks like they just completely destroyed Stanford. Stanford had chances. Um, they just couldn't capitalize. So I, I do think that, that um, sadly, those two teams will probably emerge in the South. I don't know if we will. Um, I just I, I don't know enough about our defense yet. I think our offense will be good, and it has been good. But I don't know about our, our defense still. Um, and I think that game against SC will be interesting to see how we look by that point. It could very much become a, an insanely entertaining game with zero defense and just become a track meet. Um, yeah, my biggest observation about SC... So, yeah, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. My biggest observation about SC so far is that their offense is their best defense. And what that means is that it's it's just so explosive in the games they've played so far, like you said, against inferior competi- competition, right? I mean, I think a lot of people were blowing up the Stanford game to be a, a measuring stick of some sort, and Stanford hasn't been good for a long time. So People, but but the media has been. That's the unfortunate part, right? They're, they're getting the benefit of, oh, they beat up a, a pretty solid Stanford team, and we, anybody who watches the Pac-12 closely or, or knows football, like Stanford has not been a solid team for yeah. a number of yeah. years. They, they haven't the been... fact that UCLA has been consistently beating <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since we lost. I, I, don't, I don't even remember what the streak was. Was it six straight against Stanford, four straight against Stanford? I, I don't even remember what it was when they had when it went from Gearhart to McCaffrey and just one after another of, of those backs. Um, they haven't been that for a long time. So yes, uh, that wasn't a big measuring stick. I will say this, um, you know, assuming that the offense continues to produce at this level, what's a little scary is that you know this version of SE. Uh, is basically what Oklahoma has been for for the last three years. Electric offense, terrible defense. Uh, And the best form of defense is basically just that your offense scores so much, the other team has to take a lot of chances. And that's basically what happened to Stanford this weekend. Um, They had, you know, chances to go. uh, They they had, I think in the end, I'm looking at it right now. uh, It finished in total yards, 505 to 441 in favor of SC. So they had a lot of yards. Uh, but basically, right, they, they drove down the field a lot of times and they threw some interceptions. They made some mistakes. They did the things that, you know, if you wouldn't listen to the national media, uh, the, the stuff that, you know, Stanford teams typically don't do. And therefore, by the time halftime came around, it was 35 to 14 and the game was over. Um, so that's basically, you know, 
how I see SC right now is their, their defense will be opportunistic because teams are going to have to take chances against them. And when we play them again, it's a long way from now. we got to see what we've looked like. But, uh, you know, we got to clean up some of those mistakes by the time we get there. The other thing I think for us, um, as I just look down our schedule, a couple other teams uh, have have been, I think, a little better than expected. Washington still hasn't played, uh, obviously, a, a, a real opponent in the same way that we haven't. Uh, but they also have an experienced quarterback, you know, Michael Penix. Uh, he, he's he's done well so far to start the year. They got a game this weekend against Michigan State. We got to see how they do. Uh, but that can be a if if you know Michael Penix is who we think he is, and that offense is going to move. Uh, that could be a dangerous game. Utah, you know, d- the Florida loss I think is is blown up on the national scale because it was a a road test by the highest ranked Pac-12 team on the road and as an, as an SEC opponent. But Utah basically had the game won um, and just threw an interception late. I fully expect that they are going to be the class uh, of the South along with SC. And for us to beat them, we're going to have to get a lot better, I think. Uh, preseason, I, th- I thought we could play Oregon tough, and I guess we'll see. Um, you know, to, to win at Autzen, I think still, if we're going to give 10-yard cushions uh, to all these teams, I think we're going to struggle. And then again... Oregon's... Yeah, Oregon's interesting, though. Like, they, again, Georgia's very good, but they went up and got... Went they got annihilated. Georgia oh, th- that, that was an A to Z beatdown of, of every proportion that you, that you could think of. I mean, yeah, they there was... <laughs> they didn't score a touchdown the whole game, so it was not good. But, I mean, they went and beat up Eastern Washington pretty good, but Eastern Washington is not a good team. Uh, I'm interested to see them against BYU this week. I think that'll be interest uh, a good um, temperature check to actually see how good this team actually might be. Uh, I, I I don't know why or how they're still ranked 25 after getting annihilated by the only good team they've played, but it, it, I think that'll be kind of the measuring stick to actually give us a good sense of like, are they a good team? Are they a decent team? Are they just going to be overrated? Um, going for like I don't know. It's hard to read them. If you've right watched now. some SEC, I mean, Bo Nix has always kind of been a polarizing figure. He's just that that quarterback that's so middle of the pack. He, he's he's played a lot of football, but his stats don't really jump off the page to you when you look at them uh, from from Auburn. Uh, just kind of middle of the road there, right? Like last year, 11 touchdowns, three interceptions. The year before, 12 touchdowns, seven interceptions. About sub 22 to 2,500 yards. Um, so it's not like they brought in, you know, a, a superstar gunslinger here. And I think that kind of showed against Georgia. He was outmatched uh, in, in that game. So we'll have to see what happens with Oregon. I think a team that surprised me early on, though they did uh, struggle this past weekend, uh, is Arizona. I, I thought that that first week when they went up yeah. to San Diego State and won uh, against a very quality San Diego State team, I think, uh, that shows you that they're not going to be a pushover. And, and I think you would have hoped that at home that would have been a, a gimme, you know, checkmark game. Um, I don't think that's a checkmark game anymore. So, uh, yeah, at, at the national level, I think the Pac-12 is taking a bunch of heat because of what happened to Utah and Oregon. Um, but if we're comparing them to UCLA and, like, just looking at the middle of the pack here, I don't think this schedule is as much of a... It's still easy, don't get me wrong, right? Like, I mean, this is as easy as a schedule as you can get uh, if you're a Power 5 team. But it's not 
there there aren't as many you know green check marks all over the schedule as I think maybe appeared before the season. Uh, look, we always said there weren't that many green check marks. With you. <laughs> <laughs> so like, no, no, this is surprising. I we've been saying from the very beginning, like I we wouldn't be surprised if we went up to Colorado and lost, right? Like there's now that's the one I'll say I'll be surprised. Colorado looks completely terrible to start the year. I mean. I mean, I don't, should we lose? Do I think we'll lose? No. Would I be shocked if we lost to Colorado? Also, no. Like, that's just how bad we've been. Like, nothing will surprise me at this point. Um, the only thing that will surprise me is if we actually somehow, like, run the table for the season. Um, that will be, that will be surprising. That will be the only outcome that will be truly shocking to me. Um Anything else, everything beneath that, like none of it is shocking. I could see us lose every game in the Pac-12 or I could see us like win 10. I, I, I just, I, I don't know. It, it all solely depends on our defense and we don't know enough about it yet to make that call. But I do think, yeah, that like Colorado should be the only really gimme. Like even Arizona State, I... It's hard to read. Like, Emory Jones as their QB is, like, looks decent enough to, like, beat us. Obviously, Oklahoma State uh, out- annihilated them, but, like. Yeah, that was a road game in Stillwater, so I think you can kind of forgive that to some degree. Right. Yeah, I mean. So, I don't, I don't know. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting, I think, to, to watch the Pac-12 kind of unfold. I I do think it's still a little too early to like, no, um, but we'll see. I, I just, until we get more definitive information around what our defense is going to look like, I think that's going to be the one, um, the one factor that we really need to nail down to actually kind of understand how good our team is. Until then, like, we just, we know our offense is going to be good. Our offense has been good. It's been, you know, ranked in the top 10 to 15 in the last two couple of years. Like, it's been very solid. Yeah. Can we back that up with defense? I don't know. And I think that's the biggest thing. we've said this look. from the very beginning, exactly. right? Yep, Exactly. Yeah, I think we'll get a, some glimpse of that this weekend. Uh, you know, if if South Alabama, because if Alabama State had that success, you know, you, what you hope is that South Alabama is not going to come around slinging around the yard and, uh, you know, keep this a, a close game in, in, into the second quarter and halftime. Um, you know, you, you would hope that if the pass rush is for real um, and if the defensive permit really is for real, that, you know, you can just, it's it's game three now, right? This is game three. So, yeah, you had some mistakes in game one and game two. You started slowly, but everyone got to play. That's fine. Game three, it's tune-up time now for the conference. Like, the real season starts the week after this. So, you know, let, let's get it together and come out and play a complete game. We will, we will see. Um... In other news, we have uh, some interesting stuff from Chip this week about the, the stuff that went out on UCLA football Twitter. And I'm not entirely sure why he's upset about it. <laughs> oh, you're you're referring to our um, our our transfer you tweet. 
that we're we're getting some uh some funny banter on the internet around yeah for for those who missed it ucla um athletics or the football media manager somebody tweeted out something about you know how many starters ucla has had that have come through the the transfer portal and i think they were what number one in the country they have like 20 starters across both sides of the ball um that have transferred in uh chip kelly for some reason has taken offense to that see this is what Uh, i don't get right this is what i don't get um because clearly you're a coach that you don't believe in schmoozing with boosters you don't believe in promoting your product to fans and getting fan engagement and, and all that stuff so when your administration tries to do that stuff for you right and again like I'm sorry, like, that's what it is. Like, this is our recruiting approach right now. It is transfer you. And when you try to put some of that positive stuff out there so at least you can boost the other side of the equation for you, uh, you get upset about it. Like, what's the right thing to do here? Like, should should, should they just say nothing and just not promote the, the, the product? Like, I get the minor point about transfer you, but I think the broader point is just like, and why why can't they help you out here in the thing that you actually are doing? I I don't get it. I I truly don't because he clearly has given up on high school recruiting. So you would think that he's he should be out there touting this whole thing. Like he should be proudly, proudly, proudly like talking about how we're we're bringing in transfers and they're successfully playing for us and starting and you know this should be a selling point and for some reason he's just not not complying with it and so it's been it's it's very very strange i don't i don't understand it i really don't um you know what i thought about this weekend because obviously you know nebraska lost and scott bross got fired uh you know, I'll just put this as a closing thought uh, for, for today, but I was thinking about this, you know, I think Chip Kelly would do great at a place like Nebraska, right, where the recruiting footprint is as set, because I think that's, that's where Nebraska struggled. They used to have a footprint in California and in Texas, and in some cases Jersey, but then when you move to the Big Ten, those people aren't watching you anymore. Um, you know, Chip Kelly could totally take whatever recruiting approach he wants there, um, probably develop them and in the way that actually wants just be a full football factory we don't have to do this whole books and ball thing and create this facade that we need great students in there um you know that's not no disrespect in nebraska but you don't have to create that image um and you don't even have to do it at ucla uh and the the fan side of the house and the promotion and the administration i mean they would take care of that stuff for him um so i, I don't know i i when this whole transfer you thing came out, I, I I thought about that. It's like, you know, a place like that where fan engagement is already going to be good and you don't have to worry about all that stuff. Uh, you can just literally do what you want with football. I think you could maybe do well there. Um, but unfortunately for us, you know, you've got to do some of that stuff. <laughs> First off, I was shocked that uh, Frost got fired the way he did. That was wild. Um, good for Nebraska. I, I was actually, it's funny you bring this up. I was chatting with a coworker about this uh, yesterday who is from Nebraska, went to Nebraska, um, and is a Cornhusker fan. Uh, and I, I was kind of joking with him about, like, I, 
I was like, you know, like, hey, if you're looking for a coach, we got one, got one for you. I think he, you know, he's very accomplished. And he, he was like, honestly, I don't know if Chip would do well there. And I was like, what do you mean? And, and I, I was, we were chatting about some of those factors that you were saying, but he was saying, he was basically like, look, like the fan base there is, is going to put, it puts an insane amount of focus on the coach in recruiting, in basically everything for the sole factor that there's literally nothing else to do in Lincoln, Nebraska, oh, or Nebraska fan, in general. That fan base is as good a fan base as any there is in the country. It's what's kept that, that thing alive despite right. what's happened to them in the last 10, 15 years. Right, but he was basically rejecting the notion that Chip would be successful there and be able to like do whatever he wanted in that sense. He, he was saying that you know there's a lot of pressure coming from fans on like recruiting and different things. It was interesting to hear that perspective because I, I I was completely on board with you, um, thinking that he would be very do really well there. But it sounds like one maybe the fans don't actually uh, one want him there at this point which is not uh unfair but also like some of the scrutiny that comes with being in that smaller market might you know keep chip from being as successful as you think especially when he's like being so prickly about stupid things like a tweet like i don't know it'll but well maybe i'm just trying to speak this into existence you know oh aren't we aren't we all um yeah i do get all that though yeah maybe i I do get all those points 10 look chip wins 10 games moves over to nebraska um you know win-win for everyone maybe not for nebraska win (laughs) win for us all right i think i think we have talked everything we can for now yeah, nothing nothing really going on with basketball or recruiting. Um, Brandon Williams does uh, is announcing on Monday. Um, we're hoping for good news, which it sounds like we will get. But I hope we can talk all yeah, about it next that, week. Yeah, we'll we'll hopefully come come to everyone with good news next week. But good news with that. Good news with hopefully another win and going three and zero into conference um, schedule for a football team. And yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Nothing. Nothing else really going on. I think water polo season is kicking off. Oh, the women's soccer team is number one in the country. That's cool. Um, they got elevated after destroying Duke and UNC, who were two, one and two at the time on the road. So that was cool. Uh, other than that, I think that's it. It's not crazy that you know if we hadn't made this move to the Big Ten, the teams that actually succeed here would have been the ones to suffer. Anyways. Yeah, Uh, think about that, old heads. All right, then. Um, Cool. All right, well, we will catch you next week, and go Go Bruins. Bruins.